I want to start out today by asking you a question. Um, has anybody ever told you some unbelievable news? And the first, th- I don't know about you, but when I hear unbelievable news, a lot of times the first reaction I have is, how can that be true? And then what do I do? I go and I either use the internet or I uh, talk to people that this unbelievable news involves to verify that that news is true because sometimes it's it's extremely hard to believe that something happened. And, uh, like, we just passed April Fool's Day, and all day on April Fool's Day, people post things on the Internet that aren't true. They try to fool you into thinking that there's new products coming out or new things happening that are not really happening. And so it can be very hard to navigate... Um, it's always hard to navigate truth on the internet, but especially on April Fool's Day, it can be difficult. Well, today, I want to talk to you about some other unbelievable news, which fortunately for us, is completely true. And this week, um, we are commemorating Good Friday and Easter. And so we talked about, uh, even a little earlier in our introduction about the resurrection. And so I want to talk to you about someone and their someone specific from the Bible and their experience about the resurrection of Jesus. I don't know if any of you bring your Bibles to discipleship. I don't see any, but I just want to let you know that um after this happens, if you want to verify this story, you can find it in John chapter 20 in your Bibles. So John chapter 20, and, and uh, I'm going to start, um, uh, I'm going to uh, start reading um, in verse 24, um, so uh, this, is a, this is an encounter that Thomas the disciple had with Jesus after his resurrection. Now, if you remember, uh, Jesus told his disciples three times, he said, I'm going to rise again. And they still did not realize that that is what he was going to do. They still had a hard time believing. And Jesus came and he saw the disciples and of course, they were shocked, even though the women had said, he's alive, and he's coming to see you. They were still shocked. Well, one of them was not with them at that time. We don't know why Thomas wasn't there, but we just know that Thomas was not there. And uh, so, um, let's just start reading in verse 24. Of John chapter 20. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. So this situation, um, the first part of the situation is that 
the disciples said Jesus is alive. We saw him, and and you should be excited too, Thomas. Uh, he is alive. You can trust that. And he didn't want to believe. He was a very, um, very exacting person, and he wanted to know all of the details. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay, and so what I want to talk to you, what well, my main theme today, uh, as I uh, unfold this for you, is Jesus meets us where we are. And my first point is even the faithful can have doubts. We, we have come to characterize Thomas as someone who was a doubter, someone who, who doubted God. But in reality, all of the disciples doubted God. Jesus told Peter, you'll deny me three times that you even knew me. And Peter said, no, I will, I will gladly die for you. I'm not going to deny you. And it also happened. It happened just the way Jesus said. As a matter of fact, Jesus looked into the very eyes of Peter right before Peter denied him the third time. And Peter went and wept bitterly and asked for forgiveness and had probably the roughest three days of his life waiting for Jesus to come back. And then you had Jesus say, um, as it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Every one of you will forsake me and flee. And guess what happened? When Jesus was arrested, they all ran away. Now John the Apostle came back and stood at the foot of the cross. And we have the whole exchange of John with Jesus even on the cross, asking John to take care of his mother and telling Mary that she should go with John. So we know John was there, but for the most part, they weren't there. They were hiding and they were scared. But it was exactly the way God had said. So I firmly believe that if any one of the other disciples had been the one missing, they would have been the one doubting. But I want you to know that if you doubt God today, that God will meet you where you are. God knows who you are. He knows that you're imperfect. He knows that you need him. And he knows that apart from the Spirit of God, we cannot even hope to believe the miraculous thing of the resurrection. But you know what? The resurrection's true. The tomb is empty today. And that is so important to what we believe because Paul said that without the resurrection, our faith would be in vain. If we were just worshiping a leader like so many other religious leaders whose tomb was in a cemetery that we could go visit and, and his body was there, there would be no hope. But because his body's not there, we are hopeful. Because he rose, we will rise. Because he got a new glorified body, I will get a new glorified body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says that this corruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality, meaning that we will go from a mortal body that is temporary, that ages, to a, an eternal body that does not. And just to give us some proof about Thomas's earnestness, remember I said the first point is even the faithful have doubts. 
Consider this passage from John chapter 11, verse 16, where John writes, Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now in this case, Jesus says, We're going to Jerusalem. We're going to help our friend Lazarus because he's sick and he's sleeping. And then they said, well, if he's sleeping, maybe you should let him sleep because then he'll get better. And then Jesus clarified and he said, Lazarus is dead. And I go that I may bring him to life again. And they said, you can't go to Jerusalem. They'll kill you. And so this is why Thomas is saying, let us go to Jerusalem with him so we can die with him. So this was not someone who who was just following Jesus for the food or following Jesus for the fun or following Jesus for the reputation. This was someone who loved Jesus, who was faithful to Jesus, and yet he had doubts. And what does that say to me as as a follower of Jesus? It says that when I have doubts, I can go to Jesus with them. And he's going to do what he needs to do to show himself faithful. Okay, so even the faithful can have doubts. John 20, 24, and 25. Our next section is Jesus will meet you where you are. John 20, 26, and 27. Um, John 20, 26, and 27 says... And after eight days, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither uh, thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing." So remember what Thomas said a week earlier when he was with the other disciples. He said, I will not believe unless I what? Unless I put my fingers into the nail prints on his hands. Unless I thrust my hand into his side. I'm not going to believe. So Jesus, who wasn't even there at the time, but he knowing all things, and we read that, multiple times in the scriptures that he knew all things. He answered every single concern that Thomas had. He said, put your hands in my fingers. Thrust your hand in my side. So he met Thomas where he was. And he can meet you where you are as well. I hope that you will Think about this and as it pertains to your own life. And I hope that if you have not trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, that you will come to know Him this Easter season. So that when you go to church on that Easter Sunday and you hear about the resurrected Christ, that not only is this about a physical resurrection of Jesus Christ who conquered death, after providing for the sins of the whole world on the cross, but that you can put your name in there. And you can say, as I do, that Jesus died and rose again for Andrew. And that because of Jesus' 
death, and resurrection. I don't have to live in bondage to sin, and I don't have to live in bondage to depression about why did God make me this way. No, I can live in the resurrection power of knowing that in my weakness He is made strong. That because of my infirmities, His power is able to rest upon me in a powerful way that it cannot otherwise. This is something that even many Christians that I run into can't understand. I had someone just the other day pray for me for healing, and I'm not saying that's wrong. Please don't misunderstand me. But I believe firmly that my physical disability is my thorn in the flesh. I've asked God to take it. And He says to me instead, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He says in Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14, Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembers that we are dust. You know, maybe you're in a situation as a little kid where you feel like you uh, can't, or even as an adult here, where you feel like you can't do anything right, where you feel like you continually fail in the same ways over and over again. Just remember that God knows. Remember that God knows your struggles. Remember that apart from the Holy Spirit, you can't hope to overcome those struggles. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But he also said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So the question is, do you want to do nothing? Or do you want to do all things? I know where I want to be. I want to do all things that God gives me. And I think that's an important clarification of that passage, too. It's not all things that you ever wanted to do that you can do. Because we all have different skills and talents and abilities. But everything that God gives you to do, He will equip you to do. Through His Holy Spirit. Alright, our final point. And with this, we will wrap up. Hang on just a second here. He will change your life forever. When you meet Jesus, He doesn't leave you the same. When I was a teenager, I was a pretty bitter guy. And I had known Jesus as my Savior for several years by then. I got to know Him when I was five, thanks to my godly parents. And I knew where my eternal destiny was. My temporary assignment really stung. I said, God, I said, I know that my parents tell me that you make no mistakes, but you must have made one because if you hadn't, I wouldn't be in this wheelchair right now. And if I wasn't in this wheelchair, then I could serve you and do so many amazing things. And I just want to die. Because my brother had just passed away at three months of age. There was seemingly nothing wrong with him, but he went to sleep. And it was like an angel came to him and said, John, it's time to go. 
and I'll never forget that day as long as I live. It's ingrained in my head as if it were yesterday. Worst day of my entire life. But you know what? That reminds me of Good Friday because that was the worst day in the history of the world. But just as the worst day of my entire life, my brother dying brought to me after a year of struggle and fighting against God, much hope and much devotion to God's purpose for my life, just as that happened, so too the ugliness of Good Friday was replaced by the joy of the resurrection. You see, the devil started laughing when he killed Jesus. He thought he'd won, but all God did was count to three because after three days, Jesus rose from the grave. And because of that resurrection, I will see my brother again. And because of that resurrection, I have a purpose in this life, and that is to share with as many people the life-changing power of Jesus Christ as I can before he calls me home. And I don't know when that will be. I've lost some pretty young friends I mean, I, I always say I hope to die in my sleep at 100 after I've had my 100th birthday party. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that for the rest of my life, I will proclaim Jesus and Him crucified because that's where the hope is. There's no hope other than that. So, He will change your life forever. John 20. 28 and 29. John 20, 28 and 29 reads this way. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. And I'll go ahead and read um, the last two verses too because they're so good. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. My question is, do you have life through Jesus? He wants to give you that life. He said, I am come to give them life and life more abundant. And I've experienced that life, and I want you guys to as well. Because there's no life, there's no life apart from God. God didn't make to come to make bad people good. It's not possible for bad people to become good. What he did instead was he came to make dead people alive. I was dead in my sins. I was trapped in bitterness, and God made me alive through Jesus Christ. one final verse to share with you and that is whom having not seen ye love and whom though ye see him not ye yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory we rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus we haven't seen him bodily yet but we will Because you know what? As the disciples were...
standing there 40 days after the resurrection on the Mount of Olives. Jesus went up from them, from the midst of them, and ascended into heaven, and they were gazing there. They were looking up. They were probably craning their necks, seeing how long they could see him. And as they're standing there, two men appeared in white apparel and said, Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who went up into heaven will in like manner come again. Now I'm sure some of them were hoping, well, maybe tomorrow he'll come. Maybe next week he'll come. Maybe next year he'll come. Maybe in 50 years he'll come. He still hasn't come because he still wants you and his family. He still wants you to make a decision to follow him. That's why he hasn't come. Because he wants to make sure that so many other people have the chance. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is patient to us word, because he's not willing that any should die, but that all should come to repentance. No, some are going to choose not to repent. People say they want to be judged on their own merit, and some will get that wish. But I am not good enough to be judged on my own merit. Apart from God, I'm an evil man. But when God looks at me, he sees Jesus and he says, Andrew is righteous because he trusted Jesus. And so when I get to heaven, it's not going to be, Lord, I, I did all this stuff for you. I spoke in discipleship, so let me into heaven. No, it's going to be, God, I don't believe, I don't belong here, but Jesus said I could come. Jesus said, whosoever will may come. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And so I'm casting myself at your feet and claiming that promise. That's why I'm here. And I rejoice. And I look forward to that day. And I hope that you do too. Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose, with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this, these words of truth. We thank you for doubting Thomas. We thank you that he wasn't a special doubter, 
but that he was so much like us in our doubts. We thank you that you met him where he was. That when he was honest about his doubts, you came to him and you showed him that he could trust. That he didn't need to doubt anymore. That he didn't need to be faithless, but he could be believing. And now I ask that you would come to each one of us and calm our hearts. I ask that you would give these kids wisdom and peace throughout the day. That they would honor their teachers. That they would love each other. That they would learn what you would have them to learn. But above all, help them to come to know you as the one and only Savior. The Creator God who came down to this earth condescended to take on human form and decided to keep it for all eternity so that one day we will see him whom we have pierced. Lord, I hope and pray that each one of these kids and adults in this room will be there that day when I receive my new body in glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Robinson. We appreciate having you here.